continue our tour of the Finger Lakes with Josh Wig at Lamoureux Landing. He focuses on the history of the property, the analysis that they take to be more efficient, the management structure, and we taste our way around four of their vineyards. Enjoy. This is Seneca Lake. So um, 650 feet deep, right out here in the bowl. Hasn't frozen over in over 100 years. So this is, our, this is one of our many secrets to growing fine vinifera um, up in this cool climate. Um, so it soaks up heat all summer, gives it back to us all winter. Uh, I'll show you some graphics inside. Um, but kind of the gist of it is uh, 750-acre estate. Uh, my wife and I are third generation on the property. Um, so we've got about 120 acres of vinifera under vine. Over half of that is Riesling. Our strategic advantage is that we are 100% estate bottled. So we only make wine from grapes that we grow as a family on this property and have been growing grapes on this property since the 1940s. So many, many uh, decades, generations of experience growing fruit in the soil mm. on Seneca Lake. Um, so as, as you guys know, it's agricultural product. Um, our key really is getting it off the vine at the optimal timing and getting on the pad, pressed off, locked away, particularly with the Rieslings. So expressive of where it's grown, but um, you guys know with fruit, um, you know, you cut open a banana, you come back 30 seconds later, it's brown, right? These grapes are doing the same thing. So if you're buying your fruit from even across the lake, let alone across the state, across the country, the minute you separate that rachis from the vine, it's oxidizing. And as you know, with aromatic whites, oxygen uh, air is the enemy. So that's, that's where kind of we come in, um, can swoop in, have the fruit off in 30 minutes um, on the press pad. And uh, aromatic whites are our focus. Uh, um, as far as reds, Cab Franc, um, 26 acres of Cab Franc. We have small blocks of Cab Sauvignon, Merlot, Pinot Noir, um, but in this climate, they're a blending grape. Cab Franc is where it's at. Um, what I got set up for you guys today, um, because we do control our grapes, um, we are very focused in on uh, site selection, clone selection, um, microclimate, um, specific terroir differences within our properties. So we're spread out for about three miles. This is the northernmost farm. Uh, our southernmost farm is about two and a half miles south of here. Um, just in the Riesling, we have four different vineyards. Uh, we deal with about 12 different soil types, six different clones. You can quickly see the permutations and combinations that could result in terms of what's in the cellar. So we have 50,000 gallons of jacketed stainless, um, and that's all designed to capture the free run from either the 4-ton press down here or the 12-ton press. So a lot of what I do um, from August to the last grapes off, pretty much all I do is walk every vineyard every day um, subjective tasting. I do bring grapes back. They've got to be in a specific window, um, but it's all subjective as far as when those grapes come off. So if we say these two rows or these two panels, we want them now, they're, they're picked in here immediately. Uh, that's a woodchuck. So we are, um, we grow all, all sustainable. Um, so it's, yeah, yeah. See, he noticed, he noticed that you noticed him. So He's probably probably scared. So, 
So he's eating our good Timothy hay. For every acre of grapes, there's an acre of Timothy hay. Um, we've had lots of adequate um, precipitation this year, but in a dry year, uh, we have the ability, because um, we don't irrigate, we have the ability to mulch every row, every other row, removes the cover crop, locks in moisture. Um, you can see the weed-free zone. That's all done mechanically uh, under the vine um, to remove competition. Um, you can see that the leaves um, have been pulled. You can see the fruit if you look in the fruiting zone. Um, everything we grow is vertically split. Um, so you, you get, we're just starting into the growing season, but eventually we'll have about 10 feet of photosynthesis. So the upper fruiting wire is trained upward, lower fruiting wire uh, is, is trained to the ground. Um, so that will fill out over the next five to six weeks. Um, and it's kind of hard to believe we're already halfway through summer. Um, so it'll be harvest before you know it. This was an ultra late start this year? Um, not ultra late. No, we've already made up the growing degree days. Um, so we're actually back ahead of average. Um, that's, we have a, a NEMA weather station right here that's on that post. So um, I, I, you guys will see with the, um, the wine specs, I've, I've done some little cheat sheets for you. I geek out over numbers. So in a former life, I w was a nuclear engineer. Um, that's why this business is so awesome is because it's really, it's where art meets science. So everything we do is based on these gut feel, you know, kind of experiential um, learning, but you still want to collect the data. You still want to be able to look back. Well, geez, in 2009 or 2008, what kind of season was it? How many growing degree days did you have? Um, it doesn't mean anything in the moment. Like right now, if I was to tell you, oh, we're at, you know, 1,770 growing degree days out of an average of 3,500, okay, you're halfway through the season. It doesn't mean anything. But when you look back and look at the big picture and you start comparing and contrasting year to year, something like that is huge. Because um, you can say, well, geez, it was a lot like this year and we're seeing this and that. Well, we better mulch every other row or we better go through and hedge or we better, you know, pull leaves. Instead of just pulling leaves on the east side, we better go and pull leaves on, on both sides uh, of the vine. Um, it, it's just amazing. You know, you can collect a lot of data. It's how you, how you collect it and how you're able to crunch it. Um, but, um, yeah, good, good, uh, good point. So every year is different. Um, hopefully you'll see that we've got um, a vertical for you um, in there. Well, kind of kind of a vertical. Um, probably the best thing to do is go back in, we'll look at the maps, and I'll explain to you um, what you're going to taste in terms of that. Um, what you've got now is a tank sample from 17. This is from our Black Diamond Vineyard. So this is um, just finishing up the vinification process in the cellar, and uh, you'll actually be able to taste this. Um, I'll pour a little bit more for you, so you can taste it against the 09. Uh, I've got our 09 Reserve, which is 100% Black Diamond, Clone 239 uh, in there as well. And then we'll proceed through each of our other three Riesling vineyards, and you can taste the first vintage. Um, so this, the fruit that's in here is, are from uh, vines that were planted in the 70s, particularly 71. Um, so older vine, again, in the big wine world, we're relatively uh, young, but in terms of our Riesling, these are our oldest Riesling vines as opposed to the other three vineyards you're going to taste, which um, were planted in either 06 or 07. So much different characteristics, different um, um, age uh, of vines and different ages of wine. My point of today's tasting is just the versatility and the number, again, of, of wines you could make from what we bring into the cellar. Um, it's, it's really amazing how Riesling is so expressive of where it's grown. 
um, in terms of really representing the terroir of each site and uh, digging into the nuances. So for me to tell you that, you know, the Cologne 198 up on the hill here, this is what I taste from it. Why do I taste that? Is it from A, the elevation? Is it the distance from the lake? Is it the clone? Is it the soil type? Um, is it when we picked? I, you know, we, you can't isolate that out. So we're, we grow, um, as, as I mentioned, you know, we're uh, a state, 100% estate boss. We have to stay ahead of sales. So we plant four to seven acres of um, mostly Riesling, but we're, we actually put Chardonnay in this, this year. It's kind of a little niche for us. Um, on Oak Chardonnay is, is pretty big, again, expressive. Um, but in terms of what we do, um, Riesling, biggest holding in the vineyard, uh, biggest sales. Um, what is really growing people, that local movement within New York State, right? People want to know, they still want to know where their, um, where their fruit and vegetables are grown. The wine's no different. Um, so the, the message resonates. Um, we sell over half of our wine uh, out of this building. The other half is wholesaled. Of the half that's wholesale, um, about 95% of that is within New York State, to include Metro um, New York City. Um, our biggest growth is in New York City. Um, so still riding, riding that movement. Um, pretty much our only barrier is getting it across the pallets of gatekeepers like you guys. Um, so once you taste it, I mean, it really, the proof's in the bottle or it's not. Um, you know, price has been uh, a problem in the past. Obviously, if our, uh, our counterparts across the pond can import a bottle of equal quality um, and sell it on the street for less, then we can get it to you, you know, just a few hours away. That's a problem. Um, Obviously, you know, we're at a different scale, we're at a different age in, in the industry, um, but if we really want to compete and stand and go, you know, toe-to-toe -to -toe with these big producers, um, that's what we have to do. So we, that's what my focus has been on, um, efficiencies, and I, we don't have time to get into everything, um, but it's really about cutting out the middleman for us. So because we're not buying grapes from other people who are then taking a cut, um, we're able to enter the market um, much more competitively, even with our single vineyard Rieslings um, that you guys are going to taste today. So we have a dry and semi-dry. They do very well upstate. What you're tasting today is what I lead with um, when we're really going in ultra premium high end. Yeah, all the natives are gone. So the last native vine was ripped out last week. Um, we're, we still have some hybrids. Um, the only hybrid we bring in here is Vidal, and it only goes into the ice wine. Um, and that's right, right down here at the very bottom of this block. I don't know if you guys can, can see down there. Um, but most of, it, most of the, well, all the rest of the hybrids are sold um, to uh, other wineries. All right. So we'll get the first two in your glass, and then I'll start yapping about them. So I'll just kind of carry this around. So this is where we're at right here at the winery. Um, so as I mentioned, about two and a half miles, um, vineyards, both sides of the row, of the road, um, different slopes. So I just chose the older vintages um, based on of the younger uh, vineyards 
because they were the inaugural or first vintage that was made. Um, we're very meticulous with our baby vines to let them have um, at least three seasons for the roots to get down and established. Um, so this was the first small crop that we put on these vines. And then I chose the Black Diamond, the 09, to give you kind of a uh, similar comparison. Um, so go ahead, taste the Black Diamond, the um, 17 tank sample against the 09. What drives this vineyard to me um, is the clone based on, on what you're going to taste, and I'll try to keep my mouth shut throughout. I try not to talk and push ideas on people or pricing on people. I'll let the wines speak for themselves. A lot of body. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, that's, and that's the biggest thing for the clone 239 to me, and we're, we're starting to see it in the younger vineyards. So we have... Um, I guess younger younger vineyard. We have a little bit of 239 planted in the Round Rock now, um, so we we were able to s kind of start teasing out as these vines get older and develop. Start teasing out the clonal differences if there are any. Um, you know, trying to hold soils consistent as much as you can with glacial till. Um, so it's it's really pretty wild, but. Even the younger vineyards are starting to develop, uh, you know, their own personalities. So you can see the pH on the 2009, um, that's about as low as it gets. Um, I think most of the Riesling produced in the Finger Lakes is probably right around a 3.0, maybe a little above. Um, our vineyards and philosophy and harvest timing um, you can see kind of representative of all of those that that is as high as it gets so we prefer to be you know two eight two nine um, those are what I consider to be uh, you know the best best wines uh, that we make so that means harvesting a little bit earlier um, than we do it so you got to have the acidity to begin with to have it in the end um, it's actually borders the railroad tracks. I don't know. The Black Diamond Express was uh, um, the uh, train, so it's, it's kind of a throwback. Um, Lamoureux Landing, actually, it's kind of funny, is a steamboat landing down here on the lake. So back in the 1800s, you know, the ancestors used to take their fruit, peaches, apples, you know, at that time, they'd load them on the steamboats and they go up through the lock system. They'd sell, you know, at different ports and eventually make their way down in New York City and sell on the waterfront. So now we carry it down the bottle. But that was kind of the mode of transportation then. And then, you know, as, as the locomotives came on, and now you, you, know, you have the, the old railroad bread that runs through um, everything on the east side of 414 uh, for us, um, south of County Road 137. And then it actually runs down here between us and the lake on this side. Um, so then, the, you know, kind of transition from the steamboats to the locomotives and now, so, yeah, so a lot of history. My palate is so pH driven, it's like I have an adjustment um, that, bless you, that happens. So when, I, when I, I put the raw numbers on here, but when I typify 
um, Riesling, it's really about the ratio. Um, so we do use the International Riesling Foundation scales on the back of all of our Rieslings. I don't know how many people are familiar with that and what it represents. It's actually a formula where you're putting in um, the titratable acidity, the residual sugar, and they do allow for both a pH adjustment on the low end if it goes um, below 2.8 or on the high end if it goes above 3.3. Um, for me, that, that kind of breaking point is in the two nines in terms of pH. Um, so that plays a huge role. If you just took the raw ratio of sugar to acid in the Riesling, that would get you close. Um, but the pH is really what, um, you know, and everybody's palate's different. But that's really what um, makes a difference for me. Um, so... Uh, a lot of the younger vineyards, so the Yellow Dog, Round Rock, and Red Oak, um, especially in those initial vintages, it was very difficult to figure out kind of where to, you know, all you could really do is balance them. So you just took the natural acidity of the year. You didn't know where they're going to be today. So, you know, if we were making those wines again, having the last 10 years of history, I think probably would have balanced them much drier just because of how they evolved, how much fruit has persisted, and then how much acid um, has softened and it's still there, it's still prominent, um, but it's really become quite elegant. It's not as, you know, abrasive, um, except for the yellow dog. So the yellow dog is pretty austere, but we'll get there. We'll get there. It's a good segue, good lead in. So, um, any questions about the Black Diamond Vineyard, the wines, before we progress? Uh, could you just tell us a little about the 09 Vintage, please? Oh, yeah, in terms of um, the well, year? Conditions. Yeah, a very average, so very um, quintessential Riesling Vintage, uh, if you will. So, um, you know, cooler nights, um, not like, you know, this year where we've had, you know, a week in the 90s now. Um, but adequate water, lots of sun, but the cool nights, really what preserves that acidity and builds the mouthfeel and character, I, I think is when it, you know, you've got that beautiful 80 degree day, but then it comes down like it did over the weekend, like 45 to 55 at night. It really seems to capture in the fruit. We have more of that at harvest. I love those. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a special one, but luckily, that's what it does here, right? It's cool climate. Um, even in the summer, you know, our average highs are in the 70s. Our average lows, you know, around 50, 52. Um, so it's really, I mean, the lake is still 61 degrees. So I mentioned that it keeps us alive in the winter time. You know, I mean, this is this is what it looks like now, right? This was the polar vortex of 2014. Wow. So all that was open was um, one of the Great Lakes and then these two finger lakes that we happen to be nestled between. So, so you guys can see kind of the overview. Um, this is the polar vortex of 2014. It didn't go above zero um, for about a week. And you can see we're right, right between Cuba and Seneca. So. Um, but the, the point of that is it gives us back that heat, right, all winter, uh, but then it holds us back in the spring, and then it moderates the temperature 
um, all summer long. So we have a we have a head winemaker who is part of a three-headed monster, um, and I'm one of those three heads. So we have a full-time winemaker, Colin Grant. He's been with us for about 15 years, and then um, Mark Wagner, who is the founding member uh, and co-owner, uh, is. Uh, another part of that three-headed monster, and then I'm the third. So um, we all have to agree. So we sit down with every wine, and you know, with 99 glass matricy, and um, we all we rate. But at the end of the day, we've got to decide on every blend. Um, yeah. So it's not just one palate that's making the wine. So of the three baby vineyards, as I affectionately call them, Yellow Dog. Biggest thing is Clone 198 to me. So that tends to be um, a little heavier on the C6 compounds in terms of um, chemically what ends up in the wine. Um, grassy, green. So what's everybody's favorite? Does you guys have any uh, thoughts about what you're tasting in terms of if it's coming from the clone or the soil or particular vineyards, comments? I'm loving that yellow dog. I, I, yeah? I feel like it's still young, but it's... They, they all are, I think. Thing. Yeah, they're all still, still moving. A big thank you to Josh and all the team at Lamoureux Landing. I've left their website and social media below. It's great to have you following the New York Wine Special. Please subscribe to keep following along. And also, I'd love to see you on Instagram and Facebook, where I'm at Interpreting Wine. See you next time.